Let us pray. God, who raised Christ from the dead, who will swallow up death for all time, who will wipe tears away from all faces, we stand here today in the garden, weeping with Mary, awaiting the promises you have spoken. Show yourself to us and call us by name, that we might know the power of the resurrection and become witnesses of the risen Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. So good to see you. I think I could see some of you through this cross. The cross is more beautiful than me, so just... Imagine that it's the Lord speaking to you through the cross, and we'll be great. When is the last time you received some frantic news? The last time for me was about 10 days ago. I was sitting at a table in the corner of this very room, and it was a phone call from my wife. Only when I picked up the phone, it wasn't my wife. It was my seven-year-old daughter, and she was speaking some words that were kind of hard for me to understand what she was trying to put together, as it can be hard to understand an energetic, young seven-year-old girl. And she said something like this, Martin and, and Anna, they came and they told us that there was a bird in my room flying in my room, and Mama and I, we didn't believe them, and then we went into the room, and it was true. <laughs> it turns out a bird from outside had flown into the house and was wreaking havoc, maybe had knocked over a few candles, maybe pooed on the kitchen table, and it was now hanging out in the bedroom looking at some different outfits or something. Sometimes you look into a room and you discover something unexpected and you're not sure how to react. If you have what some might deem a somewhat irrational fear of birds and can't figure out what to do, you might ask your seven-year-old daughter to call the father to get some backup. <laughs> but we've all been in these moments, right, when your heart is pounding and you just aren't sure what to do. And Easter Sunday is one of these moments, early on the first day of the week, while it is still dark, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, and she sees something completely unexpected. You see, she actually peers into the tomb, because the stone has been rolled away. And so she runs to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and tells them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Friends, Mary, in many ways, is a model disciple. She follows Jesus wherever he goes, dead or alive. She belongs to a group of women who had followed Jesus from Galilee, who had bankrolled his ministry, and she is standing near the cross as Jesus dies. And she is also the first 
to discover the empty tomb. Unlike Jesus' male disciples, Mary seems to know that being a good disciple involves following Jesus till the very end. That watching him die will teach you how to live. And somehow, she seems to know that following him beyond death is also a possibility. Because even after he's dead, she is still calling him Lord. In so many ways, Mary is a model disciple. And as we will see, she actually becomes the first apostle. She is the apostle to the apostles. But she is also capable of coming to the wrong conclusions about Jesus and even spreading misinformation about him. She assumes his body is stolen because she knows that dead people don't crawl out of tombs. And she spreads the news about Jesus to the other disciples. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've been guilty a time or two of coming to the wrong conclusions about Jesus. And I've even been guilty often of spreading the wrong message about him. I have at times misrepresented him to others. And I just want to say to you this morning, if you're here and you've gotten it wrong about Jesus... You don't need to feel guilty or ashamed. And I want to say it's okay if you're still trying to figure out what he's up to in the world. Maybe like Mary, you find Jesus' message and way of life compelling, but you're just not sure about the core tenet of the Christian faith, the resurrection. My prayer for you this morning is that like Mary, you will keep coming back to the places where you can find Jesus. Keep doing everything you can to get around him and watch what he is doing. You see, the resurrected Lord is quite capable of showing himself to people. As we will see, give it some time, Jesus will show himself. Peter and John, they run to the tomb and they discover that Jesus' body is in fact Missing, it is not there. Peter goes in first, and then John follows, and the text says that John sees and believes. And then the text says that they go home. But Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping. As a disciple who lingers the longest in the presence of Jesus, she will also be the disciple to bear witness to the risen Lord. And she weeps and she bends to look over in the tomb and quite surprisingly, unexpectedly, she sees two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they ask her a question, woman, why are you weeping? Now, you can tell these angels have never done a course in pastoral care and counseling, (laughs) writes pastor theologian Sam Wells, because the first thing you learn in pastoral care and counseling is never ask why. Why is a useless question. It's threatening. It's unsupportive. 
paralyzing and conversation stopping. It's the sort of thing a husband says. It's almost certainly, it's almost certain, you guys are supposed to laugh right there, <laughs> certain to make the person cry, or maybe I just touched something like really deep inside. Uh, all right, there's Jesus and there's therapy, okay. It's almost certain to make the person cry all the more because if they could give a satisfactory answer, they probably wouldn't be crying, stupid. <laughs> Mary, to her credit, doesn't say that isn't a very helpful question. What kind of angel are you? She says, they have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. How very true. In reality, they had already taken her Lord, her very source of life and joy when they arrested and crucified him. And Mary is hoping to have at least one last place where she can go to memorialize their relationship. And now she fears that even that will be taken from her. Barbara Brown Taylor, another well-known Anglican uh, pastor, says that when she was uh, working as a hospital chaplain, her supervisor said, when you go into the room, just pull up a chair next to the bed and say, tell me about it. And she said, well, I don't know what it is. How can I say that? And he said, that's just the point. You don't say anything else. You just say, tell me about it. And then they began to tell you what's going on. I wonder what Mary might have said if the angel had just said, tell me about it. Can you put yourself in Mary's shoes? Why is she really crying? I wonder if she is weeping for some reasons that are deeply personal. I'm crying because I'm experiencing horrifying loss. I'm crying because I have watched someone dear to me suffer. I am crying because of this unfathomable hole that is left in my life and the prospect of having to go through life without a friend. Only he wasn't just a friend. He healed me. And when my life was bound by evil forces so that I could hardly even function and everyone else in the city of Magdala saw me as that crazy lady, Jesus walked into my life and he saw me like no one had ever seen me before. He saw me for who I was and all that I could become, and he made me strong. And it's like I had lived my whole life in black and white, and suddenly I was seeing color for the very first time. And I am crying because all of the color is gone again. Many, many of us are crying too for reasons very personal. You are crying because you lost a child or a parent or a spouse. You are crying because you are waking up to the reality that the psychological effects of the pandemic on your family and on you are going to be more severe and longer lasting than you imagined. Maybe like Mary, you thought your life with Jesus 
was heading to a good and happy end. And now you are beginning to lose hope. I wonder if some of you aren't crying just for personal reasons, but if it doesn't also have to do with the weight of the world pressing in. You're crying because you see the way the world works. You're weeping as you become aware of systems of oppression and injustice and the parts that you play in them. You are weeping because the world seems almost as powerless to stop the senseless death and suffering in the Ukraine as it was to stop the death and suffering from the coronavirus. I wonder if Mary's weeping isn't only personal, but if it's also systemic. She is crying because in the new world that Jesus was bringing about, there was a place for people like her. The poor, the uneducated, all kinds of people that had been excluded to the margins found themselves at the center of this new family that was gathering around Jesus. She is crying because the pages of history are dominated by strong and powerful men with evil intentions. And with Jesus, it seemed as if for a moment, things might be different going forward. In putting Jesus to death, it was a sure sign that the world would continue as it is. Wells says this, perhaps if we asked a more thoughtful question, we'd get an even bigger answer. What's going through your mind, Mary? Then she might say, I keep thinking about the way they killed him. The nails, the blood, the jeering, the laughter, the noise, the sneering, the bane for blood, the throwing of dice, the cheering, the way the disciples all ran away, the way Pilate washed his hands, the finger pointing, the lashing, the spear piercing his side. Human beings can be so cruel, so mean, so violent, so stupid, so weak, so selfish, so treacherous. It's not just the death that makes me cry, it's the sin. Mary's weeping is personal. She weeps over the loss of a precious friend. Mary's weeping is systemic. She is mourning the way of the sin of the world. But I can't help but wonder if her weeping might also be for one more reason. And it's a reason that I would almost call theological, if that word didn't sound so academic. Maybe at the core of her weeping has to do with doubts and disappointments around core questions of faith, like who is God and what is God like? Is God the God of Jesus or is God the God of Israel's religious leaders? 
Is God really like a loving father who longs for a wayward prodigal son who despite all of the shame that the son has brought on the family with his sins and wastefulness, welcomes the son home and throws his arms around him and throws the biggest party the village had ever seen? Would God's Messiah be gathering the outcasts and the sinners and those on the margins and welcoming them at his table? Or would he prefer to sit with the Pharisees who perpetuated a system of exclusion? Is the kingdom of God going to come through the weak and the poor and the vulnerable? Or is it going to come through the wealthy and the educated and those who have aligned themselves with the empire? In short, is Jesus what God is up to in the world? Mary thought so. Only now, Jesus has been put to death, and it seems as if Israel's ruling elite will have the last word. Maybe Jesus wasn't like God after all. I wonder if Mary is weeping over the loss of what she hoped God might be. I wonder if she is crying because it felt so good to feel so close to God, and now she isn't even sure what she believes anymore. I wonder if she is mourning the separation she feels from God. They have taken my Lord. Friends, there's so much in this statement. They have taken everything, her source of life, her joy. When Mary finishes speaking with the angels, she turns around to have another conversation, and this time with someone who she takes to be the gardener, but we know him to be someone else. And Jesus asked her the same question, why are you crying? He hasn't done the pastoral counseling class either. But then he asked her an even better question, Whom are you looking for? Now, that is a good question that you can ask anyone. And of course, Mary is looking for Jesus. But wait, who is Jesus? Well, we know from this story who he is. And remember why she's crying? Because of her deep sense of loss in the face of death, the loneliness of separation, The powerlessness that comes from watching a loved one suffer? Well, this is who Jesus is. He's the one who overcomes death. He is the resurrection and the life. He appeared to abolish death and to bring life and immortality to light through the gospel. He is the one who strengthens the weak, is present in suffering, and turns mourning into joy. But there's more. Who is Jesus? Mary is crying because of human coldness, betrayal, brutality, because of selfishness and violence and evil systems that she finds herself caught up in. This is who Jesus is. He's the one who deals with human sin, 
He dismantles it, deflates enmity, heals cruelty, absorbs malice, forgives treachery. And as she begins to think about it, she realizes that indeed Jesus is who she is looking for. And all Jesus has to do to get her to recognize who he is is say her name, Mary. He is the good shepherd. His sheep know his voice and the shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name, Mary. And she exclaims, Rabuni, Rabbi, my teacher. And I wonder if the tears are still flowing and even harder now, but only they have become tears of joy. Perhaps now she cries even more as she realizes that because he lives, she too has the hope of the resurrected life with him and they will never be separated. Her heart is overcome with joy as she understands his words. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes will never die. Do you believe this? Mary will become the apostle to the apostles. She is the first to witness the resurrected Lord. And so she hurries back to the disciples. And I wonder if as she's on her way, if she's not thinking back to her theological questioning, who is God and what is he like? And I wonder if her view of God has been completely rearranged by her encounter with the resurrected Lord. She might now say something like, all I know is that God is whoever raised Jesus from the dead. And if that God raised Jesus from the dead, he must be also vindicating the kind of life that Jesus lived. And that means that God is also validating Jesus' relationship with people on the margins like me. And she arrives and she says to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And really what she is saying is, I have seen the one that has always seen me. He still lives. He's alive. I wonder if you're in a garden this morning, staring at an empty tomb, confused, broken, fragile, afraid, weeping. I wonder if God sees you. I wonder if God is weeping with you. I wonder if the risen Lord might have planned to meet you here in this space this morning. I wonder if you could hear him tenderly calling your name. I wonder 
if gazing at his resurrected body might give you a deep confidence that through believing in Jesus, you too will live forever, that God has already begun the work of abolishing death and one day will wipe every tear from your eyes. I wonder if, despite the sorrow you are experiencing now, seeing him would fill your heart with joy. And I wonder if it might be a joy that no one can take from you. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. Easter is resurrection day, and when we are baptized, we are baptized into the death and resurrection of our Lord. So it's always a day when we celebrate baptisms, and even if we're not baptizing anyone in the service, we renew our baptismal vows. We renew this resurrected life that we've been caught up in. And so I want to invite you to stand with me as we renew our vows. Do you reaffirm your renunciation of evil and renew your commitment to Jesus Christ? I do. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? May Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us a new birth by the water and the Holy Spirit, bestowed upon us the forgiveness of sins, keep us in eternal life by his grace. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, amen.